everyone, in this episode we're going to be talking about a new class. This is Real Estate Transactions. It's a class I'm really excited about for a variety of reasons. Uh, main reason is because someday I want to be a homeowner and I want to know how to buy a house. And But let's just say I'm excited to do real estate throughout this class and I hope that, I don't know, maybe eventually I'll practice real estate. We'll see. But this episode, we're going to be talking about real estate transactions and providing an overview of what real estate transactions are, how they work, and just go over the timeline of these transactions. Before getting into that, though, I just want to mention that transactional work is going to be practical in nature. It's different from litigation because litigation is looking backwards to piece together facts, combine it with the law to figure out what is going on, what happened. Transactional work on the other side, though, is you're working with the client to figure out the present and the future. What does your client want? What are their goals? What are their dreams, ambitions? And helping them actually meet those goals through this, these transactions that you are helping them to conduct. And the same rings true for real estate transactions. People want real estate. They want property. But because they are so big purchases for the most part people want help with it because it's scary i mean if i were to go and purchase a house right now i would have no clue what i wanted to do and so lawyers are really helpful in accomplishing this work for real estate transactions lawyers are helpful because they can strategically prepare the documents they can help manage the timeline of when the transaction actually occurs because a lot of the time clients just don't know when things are going to occur. And then the third, and I think probably one of the more important parts of this too, is that attorneys are able to mitigate risks that may arise. And, and they do this by identifying the risk, reducing those risks, and then shifting them to other um, parties who are more willing or have more means of managing that risk. So let's talk about the two different, or rather the two main types of real estate transactions. This is going to be residential transactions and commercial transactions. Residential transactions nowadays has become more saturated, saturated with non-lawyers uh, who do most of the work because most of the work can be done uh, through forms and really online searches. And so the lawyer's role is just really making sure that these things are done correctly and that people aren't going to be egypted out of a uh, bad purchase. So for transactional lawyers, it's hard for, sorry, real estate transaction lawyers for residential real estate can be kind of hard for them to find success. And they typically do through so through one of two ways. The first way is going to be by increasing the volume of their clientele and making it cheap and quick. Uh, for that clientele to have their needs met. The second way is by going to tack residential real estate as kind of a side job that you have in connection with other forms of legal practice, such as real uh, estate planning. Commercial transactions, on the other hand, require a much extensive knowledge of the market and of the law. Uh, typically, you're going to be working with much more uh, sophisticated clients uh, who or purchasing businesses and places for those commercial transactions to occur. For this reason, there's typically not as many non-lawyers involved, and 
it is much more complex and in-depth for the lawyers to work with. Okay, so let's go ahead and start about talking about the real estate timeline. Before I do that, though, I want to talk about brokers because brokers are ultimately the way that you start a real estate timeline. The broker is the person who is necessary for finding the parties to complete the transaction. Uh, so they find the seller and they find the buyer or the sellers and the buyers come and find them and then they present them to each other. Uh, uh, because of the sensitive nature of home buying, brokers are going to be regulated by laws. Many of them are part of the National Association of Realtors, also abbreviated as NAR. A member of the NAR is called a realtor that's trademarked. Uh, and so, but most people assume that realtors and brokers are the same individuals. Treat them synonymously. Uh, brokers are typically going to be hired and paid on a commission level. Uh, their right to payment comes from an agreement between the seller and the broker called a listing. You have to have a listing to be paid as a broker. Uh, most jurisdictions that is required. And this listing is going to be governed by the state where the deal is actually taking place. There are four main types of listing that may be available to the seller um, because most of the time the broker is working with the seller. Uh, this, there are open listings, exclusive agency, exclusive rights to sell agreements, and net listings. An open, open listing is where the seller is able to allow any broker uh, to get a commission. The first to sell is going to be the first to get paid. Additionally, if the seller sells the home on their own, finds the buyer on their own, well, then no broker is going to get a commission. Exclusive agencies is where brokers from only one agency can sell, but the homeowner can find their own buyer, and in that situation, well, then the agency would receive no commission. But an exclusive right to sell agreement means that only the brokers have any right to sell. So if the homeowner goes and finds someone else, they're still the broker is still going to be entitled to their commission. The final way that a listing, listing can happen, and this doesn't happen really hardly at all, if ever, is called a net listing. And it's where the seller wants to recover their a sum of the property, so they set the listing at like 350 but the broker is entitled to set the listing price higher, and then they just take home the difference. So the price can be set for 350, but the listing is for 370. If it's sold for 370, well then the broker would be taking home $20,000, the difference between 370 and 320, or 350, I apologize. Okay, so we have a case here where it just talks about uh, the requirement for a listing to be had. Uh, this is an Iowa case. Iowa case. There was a commission that was to be paid. The parties had talked about it, but this commission was not listed out in any agreement by any uh, means. And so ultimately there was no listing agreement. And so there was no commission that could be recovered uh, when inevitably one of the buyers ended up backing out. Okay. So let's go ahead and actually dive into the real estate transactions timeline. We talked about the brokers because the first part of it is actually finding the parties who are going to tr contract together. But then once you actually have the parties, you've got four stages. You've got pre-contract, 
You've got the executory contract. You've got closing and then post-closing. In the pre-contract stage, this is going to be your informational stage. The parties are getting together. They're exchanging information that's necessary to facilitate a sell. There's things that you have to disclose. There's things you don't want to disclose. And so it's just a matter of figuring out what information people have to see whether or not interest level remains in the purchase of the real estate. If the parties agree to go forward, they enter into the executory contract. They sign a purchase agreement. And this is where... In between this stage and closing, this is where you agreed to complete all the tasks that are necessary for closing to actually appear. You look for financing, you conduct surveys, you uh, do repairs that you agreed to do, so on and so forth until as you're trying to get everything settled in preparation for closing. Then you have the closing period, which is just a meeting at the end of the executory period. It's where you meet together to close the deal. The sole purpose of this meeting is to transfer the deed and the payment. Just swap that because the deed is that transfer of ownership from one party to another. At this point, too, typically, all uh, anybody facilitating the closing, uh, typically it's going to be the attorney. Uh, for one of the parties should immediately record the transfer of the deed Uh, and this just makes sure that your title is really good you don't want anything wrong to be with your title which kind of leads us into post-closing right after the closing you're just going to want to make sure that all the paperwork is done recording is done properly there's no issues there if you're in a state that allows title insurance Iowa does not I think it's the only one that does not getting title insurance Uh, obtaining uh, title opinions from attorneys just to make sure that everything is all done, all settled, all covered. But that is an overview of real estate transactions, how one works from the beginning to the end. Uh, In our next episode, we're going to talk about brokers in more detail and the duties that brokers have towards their clients and attorneys who sometimes act as brokers. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.